Welcome to the Commune Podcast. This is Jeff Krasno. So over the past few months, I've been interviewing various doctors for this podcast. I've been reading books on biochemistry, medical science, and nutrition, and producing programs around health for our Commune course platform. In many ways, I feel like I'm back in school at the ripe age of 50. Information is sloshing around my brain. I'm sitting around memorizing the names of neurotransmitters and enzymes, and new neural networks are slowly being constructed. There is so much conflicting information about diet. Even after hundreds of thousands of years of direct experience, humans cannot seem to agree on two things, how to find meaning in life and what to put in our mouths. But I think we're getting there. At least I am. And there's a difference between having a vague sense that a plant-focused diet is good for you and actually understanding why it's good for you. So a few days ago, I sat down with no premeditation and just data dumped what I've been learning about diet, plants, meat, protein synthesis, and digestion. And this episode captures that ramble. So I hope you find it informative. So what is the right diet for optimal health? This is obviously a topic of great debate, and I've been interviewing a host of brilliant doctors on the podcast and have been reading tons of books. And this is where I've landed as of November 6th, 2021. So I want to start by untangling some mythology around the nature of protein. Now, just how you don't get fat from eating fat. Uh, You don't get protein exactly from eating protein. Uh, Your body synthesizes protein at the cellular level. So your cells produce proteins that are used for structure like muscles or enzymes or cytokines, for example, um, signals that are sent from cell to cell to tell each other what they're doing. And these proteins that are synthesized at the cellular level are built on or with amino acids, the building blocks of life. Now, there are 21 total amino acids, and quite brilliantly, the body can produce on its own 12 of those. But that leaves this category of what is known as essential amino acids that your body cannot produce. So you need to get them through diet, through nutrition. Now, it is true that the consumption of meat or poultry or dairy or eggs um, provide uh, essential amino acids. They're complete proteins um, insofar as they provide that entire suite of essential uh, amino acids, the building blocks for then your cells to be able to produce the protein that your body needs to function. However, there are many downstream downsides or detrimental impacts from eating meat um, and poultry and and dairy. And I'll go through a few of them here. So obviously, we've all heard of cholesterol. Now, low-density lipoprotein is actually created naturally by the liver 
it actually gets a little bit of a bad rap because LDL is actually has quite a bit of utility in creating the cell membranes and also maintaining a certain malleability and plasticity of the cell membrane wall. That's what you want. You don't want them to be brittle and then permeable. You want it to be soft and, and gushy and pliable. And LDL um, provides that. Um, LDL actually, as it's produced by the liver, has anti-inflammatory properties. However, when you're consuming um, uh, choline and meat products, um, you are contributing to LDL in your system. Now, LDL and a inflamed vascular system can have very negative repercussions, as I will explain. Now, you generally want your vascular system, your circulatory system to be very glassy. You want it to be very smooth, such that blood can circulate through your body quite easily. There's a great metaphor with a, uh, an ice rink. What you want with your vascular system is the Zamboni <laughs> when it's just gone over the ice rink and the surface is very smooth and glassy such that you can almost just barely release a puck and it'll go down the entire length of the rink without any problem. But after the hockey game, when the skates have pocked the rink all up, you know, and you release that puck, it barely goes a couple feet. Well, it's very similar in your vascular system. If you were to kind of rough up the endothelial lining of the vascular system through toxins or smoking, for example, it's much easier for LDL to get implanted or um, wedged into the endothelial wall. And your HDL, your good cholesterol, which is often responsible for moving that LDL back into the liver, can't get it out. And monocytes um, uh, react with it and create this kind of foam that leads to a buildup of plaque in your arteries and can lead to coronary artery disease, atherosclerosis. I always have a hard time saying that word, atherosclerosis, and um, which of course can lead to heart attack or stroke in your brain, which is never a profitable uh, conclusion for your life. Um, so that's one of the detrimental impacts of eating meat. Now, the other one, which is... Um, coming to the surface now is that you, when you eat meat um, and you're digesting this in your, um, well, first in your small intestine and then in your colon, it starts to uh, um, feed bacteria. So we all know about the microbiome, this 40 trillion um, uh, cells in your gut and other places, in your nostrils, in your mouth, and on your skin, but primarily in your gut of bacteria and fungi and archaea. And these bacteria are fed by what you eat. Now, the bacteria also have byproducts um, called postbiotics or metabolites, and some of those can be incredibly beneficial to your health. You might have heard of um, acetate or propionate or butyrate, particularly, which uh, upregulates a lot of the systems in your body that increases like insulin sensitivity, for example, the ability to get um, glucose into your cells for energy production. Um, 
But when you eat meat, you're feeding this bacteria such that they create a byproduct called TMA. And that goes to your liver, and your liver subsequently produces TMAO. And study after study has shown that this is highly correlated with heart disease. So this is something that you should be aware of and that you should watch. Now, back to the microbiome, um, when meat or kind of dense protein um, moves through your short intestine or small intestine and then into your colon, your distal colon, um, there's a fermentation process that takes place. Now, this fermentation process, when it is uh, with carbohydrates or um, indigestible fiber, um, is uh, beneficial because it produces, like I said before, these short-chain fatty acids like butyrate. But with meat, um, this fermentation process creates nasty byproducts in your colon like ammonia and hydrogen sulfide. It's nasty. Um, that contribute to uh, intestinal bowel syndrome, colitis, colorectal cancer, and they also seem to um, uh, deteriorate the epithelial wall, these tight junctions that keep your uh, gut lining um, impermeable. So it, it contributes to intestinal permeability um, or leaky gut such that lipopolysaccharides, these kind of um, uh, decrepit cell walls of bacteria and other toxins um, can enter your bloodstream from your gut. And of course, that triggers um, an inflammatory response that can keep you in a state of chronic inflammation if your gut stays leaky. And we know that chronic inflammation underwrites all the big, big chronic diseases um, like cancer and diabetes, uh, dementia, Alzheimer's, and, um, and others, and also contributes to autoimmune diseases. So this is really why right now all of the evidence is po pointing to a plant-based diet. So then the question is, when someone goes plant-based, like it's always like, well, where are you going to get your protein? Well, again, that is a little bit of a misunderstanding because you're not really getting protein. What you're looking for is <clears throat> the amino acids, the essential amino acids um, that can provide the building blocks for your cells to create protein. So, for example, there are plants and, and grain and whole grains and legumes that have amino acids. In fact, quinoa, for example, is a complete uh, protein uh, insofar that it has all of the nine essential amino acids. Mushrooms um, also tend to have those. But the big thing is, is that if you eat a diversity of fiber-rich plants, you are able to um, harvest, if you will, um, all of the different amino acids that you will need for your cells to create the protein that your bodily system requires. So really, um, when you're thinking about diet for optimal health and you're thinking about, okay, 
there are, I have a need for protein. I have a need for energy. I have a need to feed um, fiber to the bacteria in my gut such that they produce the metabolites that upregulate um, the immune system, um, insulin sensitivity, uh, 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 adipose tissue oxidation, cardiovascular health, uh, brain health, etc. Um, really, all of the evidence at this juncture right now is pointing to a plant-based diet, really eating a diversity of plants. And I've said this before, but as a goal, um, you should try to eat 30 different plants per week because that will um, encourage a plethora of um, healthy gut bacteria. It will also provide um, the fiber that that gut bacteria needs to, to flourish and create the uh, metabolites that I've talked about. Um, but it will also provide all of the amino acids, the essential building blocks for protein creation. So I hope uh, that is helpful. And I really do um, welcome the input of people uh, that know more about this than I do. Um, this is a topic that is fascinating for me, and I'm going to keep interviewing uh, brilliant doctors on the podcast. But uh, to the degree that there are folks out there that have certain thoughts or critiques or things to add to this conversation, I do definitely appreciate those. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Commune Podcast. I hope you found the information helpful. And I'm always here for your comment at jeffk at onecommune.com. And if so inclined, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's all from the Commune for this week. My name is Jeff Krasno, and I am here for you. <laughs>